grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. And happy Father's Day. You can say it back to me on the dad. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's funny because I go uh, shopping. I pick up the donuts at City Market and Eagle super early in the morning. And on Mother's Day, there's always, always a bunch of dudes in the card aisle. And they're buying cards or buying flowers because they forgot. And they're like, there's 6 a.m. No, 7 a.m. They're in there buying, buying the stuff. Father's Day, there's like maybe one, two ladies in there. They're, they've got things handled. They've got things managed. But if you happen to have forgotten and you need a special gift for that dad in your life, um, we have a special offer for you. Um, it's one-day shipping. Uh, here's the video. Just, just check it out. It's good. Ladies, do you enjoy receiving candles as gifts? Well, then think how much you'll enjoy giving them to that certain man in your life. Mandels has candles for all types of manly men. Are you looking for that ultimate gift? Something that just says, Dad? Try grilling out, campfire, or A1 steak sauce. Is he having the guys over for the big game but the home smells too much like a woman? Don't worry. Light up one of our sport-themed mandels. Pigskin, new baseball glove, bowling alley, musty locker room. Don't know what to get the man who is admired for his manliness by other manly men? Never fear. The Chuck Norris sweat mandal is here. Man, it's time to say goodbye to the likes of Golden Spice Pear and Seaside Holiday. And say hello to Urinal Deodorizer, Big Shop, Red Meat, Wet Dog, Bacon Jalapeno Cheeseburger, Fear, Hardware Store, Charcoal, Peel Out, Mud, Fried Chicken, Leather, Burrito Fart. Mandels are scientifically engineered in our German laboratories by our professors of manology. Mandels are certified all natural, 1% wax and 99% testosterone. This offer is not valid in stores, so call now. Here's how to order. Call 1-800-MANDELS. That's 1-800-626-3537. Mandels, makers of manly man candles since 1907. Don't delay. Call now. That's 1-800-M-A-N-D-L-E-S. Awesome. There you go. In case you need some help. In case. I'm just curious. All right. So we're talking about intimacy. And last week we covered the topic of, from the perspective of, of single, intimacy and singleness. And today we're covering the topic of intimacy and, and marriage. And, and if you listen to the world... If you watch TV, media, computer, whatever it might be, they will define the world intimacy as two things, appearance and performance. Everything you see in media defines intimacy in those two ways, appearance and performance. Every movie you've seen, every TV show you watch, every commercial you see, every advertisement you've ever looked at. Intimacy is defined in those two ways, appearance performance, which is kind of like saying what you need for successful businesses, you need a really good looking logo and a nice computer. And if you have those two things, you are going to have a great business. How many of you are small business owners? Yeah. How many of you would agree with that? Just a good logo, nice computer, and you're set, right? Yeah, you need a lot more, huh? You need a lot more. 
Intimacy is so much deeper, so much complex, and if I could use this word, so much more real than it's how it's defined in our world today. And so what we're going to do is we're going to take a look at this great Bible passage, Colossians chapter 3. And we're going to read the whole text, and we'll go back and examine it verse by verse. It's a fantastic verse for intimacy, even though I didn't know it when I first came across it. I first came across this verse because my wife and I were getting married, and we wanted to pick a Bible passage that wasn't 1 Corinthians 13. Like, we were so, we were so rebels, right? Like, not that one. Love is patient, love is kind, doesn't boast. We're like, no, 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 we're going to go crazy. We're going Colossians 3. And then later on, I went, wow, this is a great passage about intimacy. So here's the text. It says this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And this is the word of our Lord. This is a, a great text. And Paul writes it to the church in Colossae. He doesn't write it to talk about a marriage, but it applies to marriage and it applies to all relationships, all relationships that you have with someone who is close to you. And it starts out with these great words here. There you go. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. It's all good stuff. Could do a sermon on each one of those words. I'm going to focus on the word humility because it's the hardest. Being humble stinks. It does. It's hard. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's tough. How many of you don't like it when you pass someone on the interstate and then that person passes you? Maybe it doesn't drive you crazy. It drives me nuts. I am so prideful. I don't like being passed a second time. You can pass me once. That's good. I don't care. I don't pass me twice. Shame on you, right? I just hate it. I hate it. But within a relationship, any type of relationship, but especially marriage, humility is crucial. And it's often expressed as being vulnerable. Because here is the definition of intimacy, I believe. You can write this down. It's easy to memorize. There it is. Intimacy is this. Into me, you see. Into me, you see. That's intimacy. And for that to happen, it requires vulnerability. 
It requires the ability uh, to let down your guard. It requires the ability to be real. And this is tough in any relationship because you've all had the experience of getting burned. And the more times you get burned, the harder it is to be vulnerable and the harder it is to develop intimacy. Uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, AA, they put it this way. It's a little crass, but it's perfect. So I, I apologize for the crassness, but it helps the message get across. They put it this way. You can't save your face and your ass at the same time. You can't do it. You can pick one or the other, but you can't do both. And so many times in marriage, in a relationship, we're trying to do both, especially when you're dating, right? When you're dating, you're like, oh man, I am Mr. Wonderful, romantic all the time. You can expect this for the next 50 years, sweetie. I'm putting my best foot forward. And that's hard to shift. I had a friend, uh, her mom was just mentoring us and sharing with us, very kind of her. And she shared that when uh, she was first married, that she would get up super early in the morning and do her hair and makeup and then go back to bed. <laughs> so when her husband woke up, he would see her perfect. Can you imagine? We're like, how long did you do that? She's like, oh, a couple months. It was exhausting. It was exhausting. We're like, what happened when he saw you the first time without your hair and makeup? She's like, he didn't even notice. <laughs> we're like, that's horrible. And she goes, that's what I thought. And then I realized he accepted me as I am. And it was wonderful, right? But it takes vulnerability. Stopping the safe face. Letting down our guard. One of the great writers about this was a man named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. How many of you know Dietrich Bonhoeffer? Great guy. He's a Lutheran pastor, uh, worked and served uh, in Nazi Germany. And when the Nazis were taking over, they were clamping down and restricting what the churches could say and do. And so Dietrich uh, Bonhoeffer started his own underground seminary at his parents' home. His parents were kind of wealthy, and so he just did seminary in their house. And he wrote about the experience in a book called Life Together. And one of the things he wrote is this. Confession in the presence of a brother is the profoundest kind of humiliation. can't save your face and your butt at the same time. And that's another way of saying, you just got to confess. Confession is not making excuses. It's not rationalizing the behavior. It's not blaming other people. Confession is acknowledging the sin. Acknowledging the hurt that's been caused by your behavior. Perhaps explaining why you did, not with excuses, just giving the whole story. And the steps you will take so it doesn't happen again. That's confession when it's done face to face. And the first step of intimacy is allowing someone to see you as you really are. It's into me you see. And so my wife and I learned this hard lesson a couple years ago. Uh, we were remodeling the house. How many of you have ever done a remodeling project? It's otherwise known as the fifth level of hell. And we're working on it, and I thought, my gosh, I can do a lot of this stuff. You know, the, the important stuff, the plumbing, electrical, we, knew, we, got, we subbed that out. I'm not touching that stuff. I'm not, I'm not completely stupid. 
But drywall, right? How hard can it be? <laughs> Fifth level of hell. <laughs> and I grew up that if you couldn't do something well, something was wrong with you. And if you couldn't fix something, you were less of a man. And so here I am, and I can't fix the drywall. And this project is driving me nuts. And it's so simple, a YouTube video, and it doesn't look like what I'm doing it when I do it myself. I'm not following a YouTube video exactly. And I was mad for a year and a half. I would come home and be in that mess. I was furious for a year and a half. My wife bore the brunt of it. Not because I was mad at her, but she had to deal with an angry person for a year and a half. And it felt like I was mad at her. And so I had to come to her and say, I'm sorry. And this is why. I've been a jerk for a year and a half, and not a whole lot of fun. Intimacy requires vulnerability. And by the grace of God, it also requires grace. Let's move on quickly to the next verse here. It says this. Oh, here we go. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So intimacy requires a second step, and that step is extending grace. First is being vulnerable. Second, extending grace. It's the foundation of a relationship with God. And God establishes a relationship with you by extending grace. It's so important that when disciples say to Jesus, Lord, teach us how to pray, Jesus says, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, and he says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who hurt us. It's absolutely mind-blowing. And absolutely impossible to do without the grace of God shining in your life. Because you can't do it without going, thank you, Jesus, for forgiving me. Help me to extend grace. Because that's the only way it's possible. And in resting in Jesus, and resting in his calling for a new identity for you. Because we have a problem in our lives. And all the times we're walking around as if we have a shovel, right? We got the shovel. The shovel is, is for picking up dirt. And so many times we act as either victim or victor. We act as victors when we get some dirt and we pile on the other person. We're like, look, <laughs> I won. <laughs> I won, right? Got you, showed you. You know, it's a time when a guy passes you the second time and then you pulled over. It's awesome. <laughs> You're like, <"Yeah>, victor, <laughs> right? But we'll do it in other ways when we act as victim. And we'll dig up the past. We'll throw the dirt on ourselves. This is who I am. 
This is who I am. Because of Jesus' love for you, because of his death on the cross for you, because of his resurrection from the grave for you, you are neither victim nor victor. You are simply, and most extraordinarily, a beloved child of God, redeemed by a gracious Savior. And because of that, you can extend grace. Some of you are here and you're like, you know what? I'm so glad you said that, Pastor, because I have someone in my life and that person's just throwing dirt on me all the time. And if you're thinking that, may I humbly suggest that um, you might be doing something to that person so that they keep throwing dirt on you. When we hear God's word and we apply it to someone else, it, it's, it can be a defense mechanism of not applying it to yourself. So may I, may I humbly suggest that maybe there might be something that you need to be getting vulnerable about. If you're here thinking, Pastor, you don't understand, if I put down that shovel, <laughs> that shovel is a shield for me. And I'm scared what might happen if I actually put it down. I have to set up that safety protection in my life. I want to encourage you uh, to risk, uh, to grow. There's a book out there, it's called Boundaries. Boundaries, written by two Christian psychologists. And it's a great way to learn how to extend grace and at the same time say, this is what acceptable behavior looks like. And this is unacceptable behavior. And I want to help you grow by setting boundaries of what unacceptable, be unacceptable behavior like. Okay? It's boundaries. It's by, written by uh, John Townsend and Henry Cloud. It's a great book. But intimacy requires it. It requires being vulnerable. It requires extending grace. And then there's a third part. It's teaming up. Partnership. Working together. Being a team. It says this, Colossians chapter 3 verse 15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I love those verses. When you were growing up, who did you feel the closest to outside of your immediate family? Probably your friends, and for some of you, your teammates. So the people you're closest to, the ones you, you hung out with the most, and the ones you did stuff with. I wanna show you a picture here, it's a little embarrassing. <laughs> this is my soccer team, my junior year of high school. League champs soccer team. We were one game away from the state championship. In Southern California, not an easy thing to do. I love those guys. I was friends with three of them. 
One of them was my brother. So I guess you'd say I was friends with two of them, right? And uh, last year on Facebook, someone posted this picture. And they were like, man, wasn't that a great year? And we all piled on going, oh, yeah, that was a great year. I remember that game. Or remember this game? Remember that game? I would do anything for those guys. Because we accomplished some pretty cool stuff together. Intimacy requires being vulnerable. It requires extending grace. But also, a huge part of it is doing stuff together. And Paul talks about that in the text. He talks about worshiping together. He talks about growing in wisdom, which is another way of saying getting old together, right? He talks about whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, whether changing diapers, ushering together, working together at the sports camp, our children's workshop, Woo! right? Whatever you do, in word or deed, I want to encourage you to find a special friend that you can say, you know, we're going to do stuff together. We're going to, we're going to do grief share together. We're going to serve some way together. We're going to do something together that we could not possibly do apart. That's what we're going to do. Every year for our anniversary, my wife and I, we get away. Sometimes camping, whatever it might be. And we talk about the previous year and how we did and what happened that previous year. And we talk about that upcoming year. What do we want to happen next for our kids, for us together? We call it the State of Our Union Address. <laughs> Very catchy, right? We talk about what we could do together that we could not possibly do apart. Dads, I want to encourage you to develop intimacy with your kids. And part of that's being vulnerable. As appropriate, saying to your kids, oh man, I, I messed up there. I'm, I'm really sorry. Or you get those questions from the children's workshop. And you're, and you're answering them with your kids. That's being vulnerable. Hey, this is what I pray about. This is what I pray most for. This is what I worry about. As appropriate, as age appropriate, right? You know, if you got a four-year-old, don't tell them, I'm worried we may not have a house next week, right? Don't tell the four-year-old that. They don't need that in their life, all right? As appropriate. And then you share grace with those kids with no strings attached. It's grace with, I forgive you, even though you did the exact same thing last week, right? That's not grace. All right, that's grace, conditional grace. You share unconditional grace. Set boundaries for appropriate behavior, but forgiveness is unconditional. And then you do stuff together. And dads are great at this. Dads are great at doing stuff with their kids. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And that's all the fun stuff. And that's awesome. Keep that up. But then say, hey, let's, what are we going to do together in the kingdom? What are we going to do together as a family? That's your role, dads. To mentor those kids up so they know what Jesus' love looks like, what God's love looks like, what sacrifice looks like, what grace looks like. One of the things my dad taught me is when you're a man, 
We stack chairs. I can't tell you how many chairs we stacked after church events growing up. We were the last ones to leave, because that's what men do. We stack chairs. <laughs> we talk about stacking chairs in the proper way. And we put them underneath the floor of the gym stage. It's a special time. Jesus Christ came and was vulnerable as God in the flesh and allows himself to be sacrificed and extends grace to all of you and me. And then he says, let's do something great together. And he sends us out to be his people in his world. For his glory and for our joy. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for the gift of intimacy. Thank you for, for being vulnerable, for extending grace, for partnering with us, Lord God. And we pray that we might extend that gift to those around us. Sometimes it's hard, Lord, and sometimes it's scary. So, Lord, we pray that we might, by your Holy Spirit, be grounded, founded, centered in your amazing, incredible love for us.